Have you ever been in a situation where you're working with a training client and you ask yourself, why it doesn't feel right? You know, why do I get the feeling that this workshop isn't what they really need? Why am I not clear about their exact goals for their program? They've asked me to deliver this training or workshop or facilitation, but I'm not quite clear on the reasons behind their choice. Why am I focusing on this training when I don't think this is really the problem that training should be trying to solve? And this comes back to, in a way, what we talked about last week in episode 183. Last week's episode 183 was all about why you need to have confidence in your training. This is what you sell. It's your brand in the marketplace. And a large part of having confidence in your training is the knowledge or belief that you are training the right clients. You're right for them. They're right for you. Your client's challenges are ones which you can solve and you have the right solutions to solve them. This is the program that they need and these are the results that they can expect they'll get. So this week, we're going to spend some time in today's episode to help you to better qualify clients so you are working with the right people for the right reasons. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark. It's my privilege every single week without fail to bring you an episode of the Training Business Podcast. And you'll find episodes of the show, past, present, and future on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or many, many other platforms, which I can't even begin to remember. There are so many out there these days. And the goal of every episode is to help you to start to grow and to scale your business. You perhaps are just like me, a coach, a facilitator, a trainer, a consultant, all of those things, or one of those things. This is the show for you because I, every single Thursday, bring you my thoughts and experiences and also those of my guests. We've had some fantastic guests on the show recently, and we will again soon. In fact, an upcoming episode will be to help you to uh, tender for uh, public sector proposals. And I think this is a couple of things that, uh, this is one of the things that a few of you have asked me to uh, deal with on the show. So that's coming very soon. But today, I want to focus on the concept of qualification. You know, which questions should you be asking your client or prospective clients so you can have confidence in dealing with the right people? So a large part of having confidence in your training as a business owner is the knowledge that you are training the right clients. You are right for them, they're right for you, you understand clearly what they're struggling with, what they're trying to solve, and what that solution looks like. And if, just like me, you've ever been in a situation where you wonder why this doesn't feel right, you don't get the feeling that you know things are where they should be, you don't quite feel you're training the right people on the right thing, then I hear you. I understand that because I've been in this situation before myself, okay? So let's just say that someone asks you for a training proposal for, I don't know, customer care training, and you jump at the chance and you put together a proposal, but then there's no reply. 
and a couple of weeks go by and you follow up and you realize actually they've gone with another training provider. Well, why did that happen? Perhaps you didn't ask enough strong questions up front. Or let's say another prospective client asks you for leadership training or management training and you deliver the the pitch or presentation, but, you know, again, weeks go by, but nothing happens. Or you do deliver the training, but there's no feedback from that client and you get the feeling actually this wasn't the right thing for them. Or someone chooses you as a provider, but the results that they get aren't what you or they were expecting. Okay, so why did that happen? Or why did nothing happen? Or why did the wrong thing happen? And the number of trainers who rush out proposals without taking the time to conduct due diligence is huge. We've all been we've all been guilty of that, right? We've all done this. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Oh, if I get this business, if they if they select me, this could be huge. So we put together something without asking difficult questions just in case it turns them off. But providing training or any kind of expertise, any kind of coaching or facilitation is really a two-way street. It's a two-way street. Your coaching, your training, your facilitation, or whichever program you have uh, developed is the beginning of a customer journey, right? So before we begin that journey, which could be hopefully something which lasts a long time, multiple months or years, you want to make sure you're right for each other. It's a bit like dating, okay? You have to agree on what you both want. You have to agree, in a commercial sense, what the problem is. You know, why do people pay for training? It's to solve a problem. So what is that problem? What is the cost of that problem? And what is a likely solution? What do results look like? How can we agree on what the outcome of the program is so we can both measure it and say it's been achieved. So your interests, I strongly believe, believe your interests and my interests lie in serving or selling our training, our coaching, our facilitation, our services to those who want your help, can afford your help, and most importantly, are right for your help. Okay? And this last part, right for your help, is really what today's about. It's about qualification okay? Lots of people want your help. Lots of people will at some point email you, can you deliver a program X? And they're not asking you the kinds of questions they should ask you to make sure you're right. Now, you might be tempted to say yes to them. The trouble is if you end up with the wrong company delivering the wrong solution, this has implications for your brand. And the global corporate training market, I read, in fact, today, today is Tuesday, 22nd of March, according to Industry Arc, which is a website online, um, of course, they said that according to their research, the global corporate training market is estimated to surpass $414 billion per year annually by 2026. So there's a huge market out there. The thing is, though, when we're saying yes to the wrong things instead of saying no to them, we're actually losing money. There is an opportunity cost. So before you work with a prospective customer, you have to qualify them. This is your due diligence. In other words, you have to come up with questions 
And if you get the right answers to those questions, you agree to work with them. If you don't, you risk finding yourself working on the wrong thing, implementing the wrong solution, and not getting the right results. So I want to give you a tool today. This is part of your homework, okay? Uh, And the tool is called Medic. Now, I, as a sales coach and sales trainer, use a version of Medic, and I've, I've distilled this down and made this much, much simpler for you because part of what I'm doing when working with companies on sales is helping them to think commercially. Don't just think in terms of training. Okay, you've got a great product, wonderful, but selling it to the right people who need your training, who need your facilitation. So five letters today, M-E-D-I-C, okay? I'm going to give this to you and hold your hand walking you through this, okay? You might want to grab a pen and some paper. If so, pause this and come back when you've got those things. Okay, you're back. Right, so I mentioned this acronym, M-E-D-I-C, and M-E-D-I-C stands for five things. Each letter stands for something. M is metrics, okay? I'll go through each of these individually. M is metrics. E is evaluation. D is decision. I is issue. And C is customer. One more time, medic, M-E-D-I-C. This is a simplified version of a tool I use as a sales trainer. I want to make this helpful for you as a training business owner. M-E-D-I-C. M is metrics. E is evaluation. D is decision. I is issue. And C is customer. We're going to go through these individually. This is your homework today, okay? So M means metrics. What are the numbers? I want you as a training provider to ask questions which involve numbers. Number of people for this program. Who are the managers who need to be in on the training for this program or consulted about this program? Which departments? How many of them? Numbers. Dates. How many training sessions, coaching sessions, embedding sessions, diagnostic sessions? Numbers. Budget. Okay. What's involved? Where are the cost centers? Um, How much money uh, is involved in this rollout of this program? Costings, how is this being costed? So think of M for metrics. These are the numbers. These are the numbers which don't just build a training proposal. They build a business case for the training proposal. And in my experience, and you've heard other guests on the show uh, talk about this, Um, it's really important that we are, you know, talking about uh, return on investment. I'll come to that in a moment. Okay, so which other metrics do you think you need to gather here? Okay, metrics, not just training program, but the numbers that justify the program, number of people, the managers involved, departments, dates, budget, costings, which numbers are important to you as a provider? Which ones give you confidence that you understand what's involved, if it's worth your while, and if it's something you can help with. Which numbers are important to them? What story do those numbers tell? So which other metrics do you think you need to gather as I've mentioned these to you? Is there anything missing? What else can you think of here? That's your homework. E is evaluation. This is the second letter in the acronym M-E-D-I-C. E is evaluation. Okay, again, these are all questions I want you to be asking up front before you say yes to a training program, just in case it's not the right thing for you or them. Okay, E is evaluation. This means you should be asking, how will this training, if we go ahead, how will this training be evaluated? 
Great question. How will this training be evaluated? What are the success criteria? Are we talking level one, where, you know, someone says to you, oh, that was great training, and they're talking level one, which are happy sheets, you know, those pieces of paper which people fill in? Or is it level four, which means return on investment? And the reason this is so important is that when you are being compared, when a a prospective client is comparing you against other providers, they want to make sure, because money's tight, that you have articulated a business case, not just talked about the training program, how it works, but the business case for that program, okay? And in episode 50, back in August 29, I talked with Wendy Kirkpatrick, who is the daughter-in-law of the famous Don Kirkpatrick. If you've done a Train the Trainer program, if you're a certified or certified in, in, through a Train the Trainer, a TTT, you'll know what I'm talking about, a Train the Trainer program, which teaches you how to train adults, you'll be familiar with the Kirkpatrick model. And in episode 50, in August 2019, Wendy Kirkpatrick, the daughter-in-law of the great Don Kirkpatrick, explained why when evaluating training, we need to make a case for the business. It gets a return, not just level one, which is, hey, that was great, but hey, this was great because this leads to, and now we can X. Okay, that's really important. Episode 69 of the podcast, back in January 20, I interviewed Jack and Patty Phillips of the ROI Institute, another great episode worth listening to because they talk about how they help organizations, people like you and me, to articulate return on investment, or as I call it, ROTI, return on training investment. So in that episode, both of them are on the show talking about why it's really important that you clarify the business case, not just how the training works, but what it will lead to for the business. Because you know, businesses spend money on training to fix issues and help them to meet demands of the marketplace. Do you understand them? Can you speak that language? Episode 73, uh, back in 20, uh, 2020, two years ago, in fact, I talked about how to and why to identify your ideal customer and how to attract high-paying clients for your training business, both worth listening to again. They're among the most popular episodes of the podcast. That's episode 50 with Wendy Kirkpatrick, episode 69 with Jack and Patty Phillips, episode 73 and 74 on your ideal customer and how to attract high-paying clients for your training business, respectively, both in February 2020. You might want to go back and listen to those. So that's the E part of MEDIC, E-evaluation. Are you able to not just say, it's going to be evaluated on the basis of happy sheets and commentary and, hey, that was great. But are you able to evaluate it in terms of what your training leads to? What can they do now that they couldn't before your training intervention, your facilitation, your workshop, etc.? Okay, all clear? So I'd like you to think, what else do you need to know about how your prospective training clients will evaluate your program? That's the E part. Now let's move on to D. D is decision. Again, these are questions we're asking up front to ensure we're working with the right prospective customers. D is all about decision. How will a decision be made to hire you? The last thing you want is to write a proposal and be left hanging 
waiting for someone to come back to you. You want to know who makes this decision. When will that be made? How will this be made? Is it a committee decision? Are two people involved? Okay, who are they? Is one person involved? Is it HR? Is it someone else at a different level of the organization? Is it procurement? Will they look for references from you, etc.? Do you get the idea? So I've seen, and I've been there myself, where you know people send out a proposal and they're left dangling and not knowing what to do because they never asked how this decision would be made. If you've taken time to talk to your prospective customers, listen to their feeling for their requirements, fleshed out some kind of proposal, you should be finding out what the next step is. How will you guys make a decision to hire someone like me? You have to ask those questions, and I think be comfortable asking those tough questions. You know, how will you measure my proposal against that of the competition? How long will this take? When will I know? Will you get back to me this week, next week, tomorrow? What is the next step in the process? And what references can or should I provide? So ask yourself here, how can you influence this buying decision? Because it is a buying decision. At the end of the day, you are a business owner. You want to be sure that you're in with the best possible chance to win. So what else can you think of here? You might want to take a moment and write down some ideas. Okay, the next one is I. So, so far we've covered M-E-D. Letter number four is I, and this is issue. What is your training, coaching, facilitation going to fix? Can you define the problem? Does your training address it? Now, if you're dealing with public sector Uh, organizations that approach training providers using what's called an RFP, Request for Proposal. I'll talk about those in a near future episode. Um, You'll be familiar with this term. Basically, a lot of companies or corporates go to the training market and look for providers under certain conditions. They might look for a training provider that is of a certain size or has a certain expertise or um, has a particular Uh, financial turnover, all these kinds of conditions. So um, you want to be sure that you're, you know, spending time on the right proposals. A major problem with this is when we're not solving problems for clients. So a big part of being a training provider, commercially speaking, is ensuring that you're confident that your training is going to fix an issue that someone has. Can you define that problem with your prospective client? Can you say confidently that your training addresses it? For example, let's just say someone says, well, actually, we're not winning proposals. Right now, our teams in-house are not communicating cross-functions. They're not talking to each other. You might say, well, maybe a communication workshop is the problem. Or you might say, maybe a presentation skills workshop is the problem or solution, I should say. So you will know what to use as a solution unless you can define where it hurts the most. Okay. Where does it hurt the most? What is the real issue? Training sounds great, but what is it trying to fix? Can we articulate that? And the way that I've helped to solve this in the past is the next and final letter today, which is C. Okay. So if we're not fixing something, when someone questions whether your proposal is valid or worth the money, 
you're asking for it. Um, if that doesn't go to plan, often it's because we haven't made a case for being able to solve that issue. You really have to spend time fleshing out that issue. What is the cost of this to the business? Um, where does this hurt? Where does this go wrong? Um, who who suffers if this thing isn't fixed? Is it customer compliance? Is it resilience? Is it mental health? Is it leadership? Is it customer care? There's no end to the number of training interventions, no end to the number of workshops that anyone can provide. It needs to be the right thing. So when we can match up the problem with the solution, then we can say confidently we have understood the issue and we can make a case to solve it. Which brings me to C, the final letter today, which is customer. Who owns the problem? The number of times when I'm coaching other trainers, they say to me, I'm having a conversation with HR and I say, stop the lights. Okay, who is the real customer? And they say, well, uh, HR. And I say, well, maybe, maybe it is. But who's really the person asking for the training? And sometimes what's happening here is HR is really the conduit. Human resources is simply the organization which, or part of the organization, which has been tasked with finding a training provider. But they're not necessarily the people, as much as I like HR, they're not necessarily the people who understand the cost of that problem or even own that problem. So I want you to be, when qualifying your prospective customer, asking them things like this, who owns the problem and how does it affect them? And, you know, uh, where does the buck stop? And what part of the business is that in? Because you as a, someone who writes proposals, um, you know, when you go to market and you say, okay, yeah, I can help with that. You want to ensure you've some kind of direct line. Okay. M-E-D-I-C. C is not contact. C stands for customer. The person who stands to gain or lose by your training program. Are they particular managers or particular heads of department? Are they C-suite, you know, CEO or COO? Who's the person who really owns that problem? Because often they will have a say in which provider gets selected. And when you spend time or too much time Talking to people of no real buying power, it can be a real waste of time. Do it a couple of times a month and you're losing lots of valuable time. If you're working for yourself, running your own business, you can waste a lot of time, you know, running after proposals which aren't really worth your time or even things you can win. So I want you to ask those tough questions. Who's the, where is the organization or part of the organization that owns this problem, that has this problem, suffers from this problem, and stands to benefit from you solving this problem. Because that's often where the money comes from. HR might just make a decision based upon, you know, comparing A with B or company A with company B. But when you can really understand who owns that problem, maybe there's a way to get to them directly through LinkedIn or something else, or a recommendation or a referral. I'm not comfortable, personally, writing proposals through HR until at least I have some kind of involvement or understanding of the people who have that problem. So let's just say you're delivering leadership training, okay? HR might ask you for a training proposal. I would like you to think, well, which leaders am I training? 
And where are those leaders in the business? And why do they need leadership training? Okay. Is there any way to run some kind of diagnostic tool with them to make sure this is right for them? And often, um, as much as I like HR, often they don't know the answers to those questions because they've been tasked with finding a provider. So it's in your interest to find out who the real customer is, not the contact, but the customer. How does this problem affect them? Have we a direct line to them? And how do they stand to gain by you delivering your very best training program, consult, uh, facilitation, workshops, etc.? Does that make sense? Okay. So what else can you think of here? Okay. I want you to have a good relationship as early as possible with the people who own that problem your training is solving, because this could lead, and hopefully will, lead to case studies and referrals from them to other people just like them, from them to other people just like them. You will not necessarily get this from HR, at least in my experience. You want to get as close as or directly in contact with the people who stand to lose if this thing isn't fixed and gain if this thing is fixed by you, because that's what leads to those wonderful metrics that you can build into your case studies and lead magnets and the kinds of things that uh, attract other people just like them. Okay, all makes sense. So M-E-D-I-C, M for metrics, what are the numbers you've to gather, understand, use in your proposal, evaluation, how will your training, if your program is accepted, or your offer is accepted and you're selected, how will your training be evaluated by your uh, client? D, decision. What decision process criteria will they use to choose you so you win the business? Issue I, what is the training going to fix? How can you be sure that what you're doing is going to actually generate return on investment or training investment? And customer, finally, who actually owns that problem? Who's the real customer, not just the person asking for a proposal? Okay, M-E-D-I-C, medic. Okay, so in last week's episode, as I said, I want you to have confidence in your training. There will be times, and there should be times, when there's a red light flashing and you realize you cannot help. Perhaps someone else in your network is better and it's not going to be you this time round and you've confidence in qualifying out that company before wasting time and spending money you haven't got on a proposal which you won't win. And it's a very competitive business, the training business. You want to make sure that you're qualifying as early as possible with any and every prospective customer that comes your way so you're not at some point in the future scratching your head and saying, why do I feel this is not the right program? They're not the right client for me. And I don't feel this is going to actually solve the problem. Okay. In the early days, of course, you will be saying yes to most prospective customers. But as you mature, as you develop more confidence and greater skill and understanding of your marketplace, you will find yourself saying no, actually, a lot more no's. And I think I think that you'll be happier saying no when you're confident you're qualifying properly. Any thoughts on today's episode, please drop me a line, mark at trainingbusiness.com. You can find, of course, all episodes, past, present, and future on your podcast platform of choice on Stitcher, Spotify, all the ones I mentioned every single week. And of course, you'll find them over at trainingbusiness.com. There'll be more blog posts going up shortly. Um, I know that's been remiss of me. I have not had blog posts on there for a while, but you'll find more content going up there on the blog 
soon if you'd like to submit an article and get a quality backlink to your website uh, please feel free to contact me if you've got any recommendations or suggestions for guests uh, podcast guests then please let me know I'm happy to take your recommendations and I have many people have submitted great suggestions for guests authors experts and I'm very happy to feature them on the show this is your show it's not just my show it's our show we're here to help each other in the community as professional facilitators, trainers, coaches, consultants, people who help and love to help people to be the very best that they can be through our programs and workshops and so on. So until next Thursday, when I know you'll be back for more, please spread the word and tell other people about the show. But I'll see you back here again next Thursday on the Training Business Podcast. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.